It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for a Thursday edition of, uh, I guess, Mary Langston's podcast with episodic guest appearances from, from me thus far. I don't know if she's going to branch out or not. Um, so far, I've been her only guest. I uh, hope you all had a great week. It was a pretty active week. You get to a certain point in life and you, you don't even like know when the weekends or begins i think i went to london and or cambridge for a debate and then i think i flew back to south carolina and then i had to go to new york for didn't have to go i had the privilege of going to new york for election coverage i really can't remember the last time i went to sleep at 3 30 in the morning I would tell you the truth. I would tell you it was college, but sometimes my mom listens to this podcast and I don't want my mom thinking that I'll stand out till three o'clock in the morning in college. So, so we won't say that, but, uh, Mary Langston, I, I doubt you were up till three 30 in the morning, unless you were like praying for somebody or <laughs> reading the Bible or doing something good. I doubt you were. You had a busy week. Oh, uh, that's a busy year. I just packed <laughs> it into a week. That's true. Yeah, I didn't stay up that late. I did stay up till about one o'clock, but that's as late as I could get. Yeah, well, I had to drink coffee to stay up because I'm sitting there on stage and Brett and Martha and Dana and Hemmer and all everyone's such a pro. And I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, what would happen if you literally fell asleep while you were answering <laughs> a question? What Would that be good for ratings? Would it be bad for ratings? So then I started drinking coffee, which is, you know, I guess in the pantheon of not smart ideas, if you know <laughs> you're going to be going to bed soon, you probably should not be like getting an, an IV full of coffee at one <laughs> thirty in the morning, but. I never claimed to be smart. I've told you I was funny, but I've never claimed to be smart. <laughs> funny and fair. Uh, I try to be fair. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely I'm funny um, <laughs> sometimes. Um, well, uh, I guess people probably are sympathetic in the fact that I've been on airplanes for the better part of the last <laughs> week. My guess is there probably aren't any questions this week. Well, actually, we may have more questions than we normally have, Trey. Oh, really? So I hope you have some more coffee with you. Or maybe the coffee is still working from just a couple hours ago. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, it is not. No, no. And I, I'm not a napper. I, I don't know what <laughs> stage of life old people start taking naps, but I'm not to that stage. So, <laughs> Well, I think like in Europe and other countries, they have a nap time during the day. But I don't uh, think we've adopted that here. So the last you may time I have had, out. Last time I remember having nap time was at Trinity United Methodist <laughs> Church in the preschool program. And I mm -hmm. didn't like it then. 
um, which is why I actually got sent to stand out in the hall because I was, I think the teacher said I had disruptive behavior. I mean, how am I supposed to know what that means? I'm five years old. What does that mean? You have disruptive behavior. But thank God my parents knew exactly what that meant when she called them. So I, I've just, I'm not big on naps. I'd rather fall asleep on national television or completely botch the answer to a podcast question than take a nap. I mean, you were up there on the stage for a while last night, um, so that was impressive that you stayed awake the whole time. But yeah, I, I'm not much of a napper either. I have this thing called FOMO. Have you heard of that? Um, I have not. Fear of missing out. So I struggle with even sleeping, but I'm trying to get better what, about it. What, what would you miss? I don't know. I'm just one of those people you live that's in just Fountain curious. Inn or don't you, you live in Fountain Inn or some? Yes, sir. Fountain Inn. What would you miss? I, I mean, don't no, know. no offense. It's not like you live in Paris. <laughs> you live in Fountain Inn. What would you miss? I don't know. It's just something I have. I guess it's just a curious spirit that I've just been given that I'm stuck with. Okay. Well, you got to reorient your thinking and you got to <laughs> tell yourself, well, if I'm not there, it probably isn't that significant. So I'm not missing anything. And if I'm asleep, I'm not there. Therefore, I should have no fear of missing out. <laughs> that would probably be more peaceful. So I'm going to work on that. But in the meantime, yeah. we have a lot of questions, Trace. Are you ready to get started? Probably not, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> okay. We appreciate you all for sending us your questions each week. We'll start with our first question from Ralph in New Hampshire. He writes, if you could be the fifth player in a fivesome with four of the greatest golfers in history, who would you choose and which course would you play? Oh, Ralph, that's a hard question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to answer it as ask, um, sort of, four great golfers from history. Because if you ask me for four golfers, it would include my dad and my son. Um, mm -hmm. But you ask great golfers from history. So I would pick Jack Nicholas, who has been my favorite golfer my whole life, ever since I knew what golf was. Um, I always pull for Jack Nicholas. So he I've met him. I no, I have not. But Terry, my wife, has met him. Um I played golf with his son. Um, but I don't believe I've ever met Mr. Nicholas. I'd love to do that someday, but he'd be part of the group. I would pick Ben Hogan. I mean, I'm assuming can be living or dead. Um, I'd pick Ben Hogan because he came as close to perfecting the art of hitting a golf ball as anyone. Um, they tell me he was a crusty old fella, so we might not be swapping a ton of jokes, uh, but I'd love to play golf with him. I would pick Bobby Jones. Um, he won it all as an amateur, and uh, he was also an attorney, and um, just one of the one of the titans of, of golf. And then I would, you know, I got to throw Tiger Woods in there because my son would never forgive me if I had a chance to play with Tiger Woods and I didn't do it. But I'm also going to call a pivot to Ralph's question. I'm going to add another foursome. Uh, I would add uh, Lorena Ochoa. Um, she was an LPGA golfer, fantastic, best in the world. She did what I really wish more people would do. Uh, Barry Sanders did it. Uh, Lorena Ochoa did it. And that's go out on top. 
she went out on top. I think she may have still been the best player in the world when she just said, you know what? I'm going to go do something else. I'd uh, love to play with her. She seems like a really, really, really nice person. I just used to watch her when she played on television. Mm. So I'm going to also add uh, Annika Sorenstam, who, um, you know, another tremendous LPGA player. She still plays a little bit in some charity events and some um, some stuff on television, but just love her swing. Um, she, uh, I'd, I'd love to play with her. I'm going to throw Nick Price in there. I have played once with Nick Price, but I'd love to play with him again because he's about the nicest guy you could ever play golf with. He is from uh, what used to be called Rhodesia, now is Zimbabwe, um, lives in Florida, I think. Now, I mean, I don't want to give out all his personal detail. I played with him in Florida. He's just one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet in your life. So I'd love to play with him again. And then I would finish it out with uh, Bernhard Langer who is a German golfer on the Champions Tour, senior golfer. Um, honestly, I'll probably watch him more now than anyone else. Um, I mean, I watch I watch Scotty Scheffler and some of the young Americans, but Bernhard Langer is a little bit older than I am. He just won over the weekend. I think he's 65 maybe, 63, mm-hmm. 62, something like that, but still winning golf tournaments. And I've always wanted to play with him, but never had a chance, so – those are my those are my foursomes. We'd have to have two foursomes back to back on the course. Where would we play? Uh, we would play Augusta National, and then we would hop on Tiger's private plane Ooh. and go play St Andrews. Th- those would be the two two courses, and that would be my foursomes full of famous, historically significant golfers. Wow. Well, thank you, Trey, and thank you, Ralph, for that fun question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Our next question is from Jennifer in Arizona. She writes, you keep saying, be careful what you promise. What would it take to reach across the aisle and invite a few reasonable congressmen to the table to help craft a bill that the president may sign. Uh, you're right. I do say be careful what you promise. Um, I think we kind of saw that Tuesday night. Certainly be careful. Be careful what expectations you set. Uh, it would not take mm-hmm. much to get members from across the aisle to work together on things. Uh, they do it all the time. Um, it happened uh, when I was there. I assume it still happens. I mean, I, I, I can remember working on some ideas with lots and lots of folks on both sides of the uh, both sides of the aisle. Now, these ideas are not what the media would consider to be significant. They were important or else we wouldn't have been working on them. And they're really important to the lives that were impacted. But I, I mean, I remember working with Akeem Jeffries on something as simple as getting an ID card for people that are scheduled to be released from federal prison. You know, I mean, the overwhelming majority of people who are currently in prison are going to be released at some point, particularly federal prison, because that's you know, not a lot of homicide inmates in federal prison. But and, you know, you want them to go get a job and you want them to, you know, pay back restitution or make the victims whole. If it's an embezzlement or breach of trust. How in the world are you going to go get a 
job, if you don't even have an ID, I'm not talking about a driver's license, you don't even have a government-issued ID. So, yeah, no, the media is never going to think that's a big deal. But Hakeem and I thought it was a big deal. So the parties, you know, I mean, I hate to sound cynical. Actually, I don't hate to sound cynical Mm -hmm. um, because it's actually the truth. The parties don't like to see the other side have success. So it's a challenge to get things done um, that would have both R's and D's able to get something across the finish line. The bases of the parties, however big those bases are, they don't always reward working together. You just don't hear a ton about bipartisanship anymore. I'm not talking about surrendering a deeply held conviction. I'm, I'm talking about just like finding one idea that you agree with someone on and working on that. There's just not a ton of reward for that. It does happen, Jennifer. I will tell you that it does happen. It does not happen on big ticket items that you would hear a lot about. Now, would a president sign it? You know, first of all, it needs to get a majority of the majority. And what I mean by that is if, Repu- if Republicans control the House, then a, then a majority of the Republicans need to support that bill or, ex- or else the leader's in trouble for putting it on the floor because the other Republicans would wonder, why are you putting a bill on the floor that doesn't have a majority of the majority? So, yes, it happens. It's rare, if ever, on big ticket items because neither side wants the other side to have any legislative success. I mean, look, I, I didn't have a ton of conversations with President Trump, but I, I, I remember he seemed genuinely surprised at the lack of Senate Democrats in particular willing to negotiate with him or work with him on ideas. I, I guess in the business world, there's a way for everyone to win. In politics, they don't view it that way. It's kind of a zero-sum game. They don't want to give the other side any legislative victories. So it's hard. It happens mainly on small ticket items and probably in the current environment will happen less and less. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Jennifer. Our next question is from Carol on Twitter. She writes, as a golf fan, I was wondering what are some of your funniest golf blunders? I wonder how people know I play golf. I wonder. I, I, don't play, know. I play so infrequently. I only get to play four or five times a week. Carol, what are some of my funniest golf blunders? Well, I'll get the good news out of the way first. I don't hit that many shanks, um, which mm-hmm. is a golf word that most golfers don't use um, because we don't want to jinx ourselves. But a shank is a really, really, really terrible thing to hit in golf. It's when the ball hits the hosel and goes sideways. Mm-hmm. Um you, you actually see pros do it sometimes. I mean, the the face of a golf club is pretty small. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, maybe an inch between the center of the club face and the hosel. So, I don't hit, I don't hit shanks. I'm more likely to hit on the toe than hit on the heel. I have four putted before in a tournament. That's – but so has Stevi Ballestero. So, so have some of the best golfers in the world. I mean, four putting is pretty embarrassing. Three putting is not great. Four putting is pretty embarrassing. I know that I have whiffed it back in the day. A whiff is when you swing and miss the ball, Mm. but I can't remember the last time I whiffed it. Usually that would be if the ball was in the rough, kind of sitting up in the rough and the club just slides under it. That's called, it's a whiff. I mean, pros do it sometimes too, but not, I mean, 
not with the ball sitting on a tee or in the fairway. You don't miss it. But I, I can't remember the last whiff. I would say this. I mean, the the golf story that I enjoy the most, you know, I want you to go with. I want you to close your eyes, Carol, and imagine this, okay? There's a course in South Carolina called the Ocean Course. It's on Kiowa Island. They've had some major golf tournaments there, but it's literally on the Atlantic Ocean. And three of my friends and I used to go down there on Super Bowl weekend and play what we call skins, which is a, a kind of a golf match. We call it skins. So Super Bowl weekend, which, as you know, used to be in January. Now it's in February. And not to kind of spoil the ending, but it's cold in South Carolina in late January and early February. But that's when we would go. And Ben Grambling, who's been my friend since we were kids and still is and will be one of my pallbearers unless he beats me to it in which case i'll probably be one of his but we we've done it forever we were all broke back then i'm still broke he's not he's a real estate developer but we were all broke so we would go on super bowl weekend because the rates were low i mean nobody wanted to go play the ocean course or any of the kiowa courses on super bowl weekend they wanted to be at super bowl parties so we would go check into this inn and we would play golf on super bowl weekend because the rates were low but unfortunately so too was the temperature so we're playing the ocean course we wake up it's 35 degrees it is windy and it is raining it's as miserable as I have ever been in my life, other than possibly listening to a really long sermon. It was so cold, and you you can't get away from the – I mean, there's no place to, like, go and say, I'm going to warm up. So we're playing 35 windy, raining sideways – People were winning holes with 10s and 11s. That, mm -hmm. By the way, Mary Langston, that's not a good score on a golf hole. Mm -hmm. But if you finish the hole, you might win the hole and therefore win the skin because nobody else could finish the hole. Mm -hmm. I remember the wind blowing so hard that we would aim for the tee markers that were in front of us because we couldn't carry the water. We couldn't carry the hazard. So we would aim for the T-marker in front of us so at least we could go and drop it on that T-marker in front of us and gradually kind of make our way towards the fairway. We finished 18 holes, and then we went in to pay the replay fee. We were going to play 36. That's what we always did. So we played 18. We can feel no part of our body, can feel our fingers, our toes. And the pro looked at us and said, guys, it's dangerous for y'all to be playing in this weather. So if you're going to go play, I'm not going to charge you. You guys are idiots. If you're dumb enough to play, I'm not going to charge you. Y'all can go play for free. Well, we, we thought we'd won the lottery. So off we went. <laughs> And we play six more holes, and my friend Ben Gramlin bends over to put his ball on the tee, and he cannot stand back up. And so he calls me over there, because if you know Ben Gramlin, he's got a little bit of pride. He calls me over there and says, I don't want to be the one who says, let's go in, so will you do it for me so I don't have to say I'm too cold and too miserable and want to quit? Will you do it? So I said, yes. 
I remember getting in the shower when we got back to the Kiowa end and I turned the water on cold because if I turned it on hot, I couldn't feel it and I didn't mm. want to burn myself. So cold water felt good. That's how miserable we were. However, I did something that day, Mary Linkson, that probably, I don't want to say it's Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking kind of stuff. I don't want to say that because that sounds immodest, <laughs> but it may be. I figured out that I could put my toboggan on and then I put a shower cap from the hotel over my toboggan. <laughs> so you got that? I got I got my little got toboggan image. on, and then I put the shower cap over the toboggan. <laughs> it may be, I'm going to think for a second, it may be the greatest idea <laughs> I have ever had. Nowadays, uh, Ben and I... Uh, laugh about that story because we won't play now if it's 60 and like a little bit windy. Uh, we just, we don't do that anymore. But back then we played in the snow, we played in the sleet and we played the ocean course as exposed as it is in the most miserable, cold, wet rain. And every time I'm in the car with the kids and Terry and it's mm -hmm. cold and raining I tell them that same long, boring story, and they've now heard it. Abigail said she counted it. She's heard it two million times. <laughs> That's like the most memorable thing that ever happened to me on a golf course, being dumb <laughs> enough to play golf in 35-degree weather with rain and wind, and yet your fellow citizens still trusted you to go vote for them in the House of Representatives. Is this a great country or what? Oh, that is hilarious. I wish it weren't true, but it is. Every word of it is true. But I would imagine during that moment while you were golfing, it wasn't as funny, but now it is. I know it was absolutely <laughs> miserable. And yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't go Super Bowl weekend anymore. We, <laughs> we go like when it's 75 and sunny. I, mean, I wonder just, why. <laughs> back then, we had to. I mean, back yeah, then. It's expensive. I mean, you could do the whole weekend for, I think, $129. Wow. That's your lodging and all your golf. And wow, now, that's unbelievable. Ben probably spends $129 on a pedicure now. <laughs> I mean, but back then, we were, I mean, we were broke. Mm -hmm. So we had to go. Um, so there. Um, are we all still alive? That may be the single longest story I've ever told. Are we? No, are, is it everyone was great. Still alive? So that would be your blunder. Yeah, the blunder is going out in thirty-five degree cold, <laughs> wet rain, and 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 playing more than eighteen holes, wanting mm -hmm. to play thirty-six. I couldn't even. It, it actually, you know, my father's a doctor. I, I'm sure my father was sitting there thinking, "Why did I waste money?" <laughs> on this kid's education, if he is dumb enough to go purposefully be outside in this weather, it would have been better if it were snowing. It really would have been. It would have been less miserable. Mm. All right, Carol, there it is. No shanks, no whiffs, but like eight hours of absolutely dreadful judgment on the ocean <laughs> course on Kiowa Island.
Wow. Well, thank you, Trey, for sharing that. And thank you, Carol, for your question. Our last question is from Jimmy and he writes, did any of the midterms surprise you? Um, yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I will address that uh, Sunday night uh, in the interest of time. And because, mm-hmm. you know, people have already uh, been listening to our podcast for what seems like four or five hours, I'm sure right now to them. Uh, was I surprised? Yes. I think the follow-up question, Jimmy, probably is, was I right to be surprised? I mean, mm-hmm. were my expectations skewed and therefore I was surprised? I don't know. I mean, maybe I set the wrong expectations. I thought the majority in the House would be larger. I also underestimated how well Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio would do in Florida. I mean, I, I thought they would both win, but they really, really, really won overwhelmingly. I was a little bit off on Tim Scott's race. I thought Tim would be super, super. I mean, it's, it's amazing to get to 60% in the general election, and he surpassed that. So, mm-hmm. what I'm going to do Sunday night is I'm going to address that. I hope, uh, I hope you watch it or tape it mm-hmm. when the football's over. I, I, I think there are a lot of, imp- I mean, the midterms themselves are important. If we're surprised, if people were surprised or elated or disappointed, then the next question is why? And that's um, that's something I will get into when I don't spend an hour and a half answering a question about a golf match I played 25 years ago, and and I'm a better steward of your time. I'm going to answer it Sunday night, Jimmy. How's that? That'll work, Trey. Thank you so much for all the questions and thank you, Trey, for answering them. You're welcome. I'll bet you, I'll bet you this, but no one ever asked me another golf related question. I don't know. I think they will because they have before and there were two today. So maybe more will come. But the answers did not rival crime and punishment or Dr. (laughs) Chivago in length. Well, there's still time. (laughs) <laughs> no, they're going to say, well, why don't we like ask him like a multiplication question where there's like a really quick answer? Why, why would we ask? Him I don't know, answer? because you have three times zero or zero times three. So we've had that, that one would before. take me <laughs> the rest of my life to under. I really do not understand that. But so um, maybe the golf one would be shorter. Than a map. Um, well, I mean, I I'm trying to think. Blunders. <laughs> I mean, blunders, blunders, blunders. I mean, I've never hit anybody with a golf ball. I don't think I've been hit by a golf ball. If it was, a person wasn't very good and it didn't hurt. Wasn't hard <laughs> enough. I mean, blunders. I mean, I make blunder miss club. I'll tell you one other thing that happened. I, mm. I'll see, see if I can get this out without using any of the words I promised my mom I wouldn't use anymore. <laughs> Mick and I were playing together in a golf tournament in Congress. Uh, in a match uh, against two Democrats. It was Republican versus Democrat golf match. And Mm -hmm. we were up. We were up. And it's called alternate shot. Okay. Where, you know, Mick hits the drive and then I hit it. And then you alternate shots until you get it in the hole. And we're partners and we're up and we're on a par three. And Mick hits the ball on the green and they hit the ball in the hazard. The match is over. I mean, we were already up. Match was over. And Mick looks at me and says, I hit your club. He reached in my bag and got my seven iron, Mm. which is loss of hole. 
So we go from winning the match. Oh, I think no. we wound up tying that match because Mick does not know what golf clubs are his as opposed to which <laughs> ones are mine. So you ask me the most boneheaded thing I've seen done on a golf course lately, it would be hitting your playing partner's clubs. People do hit the wrong golf ball because they don't mark it, and sometimes people play the same brand. But he hit my golf club, Mary Langston. That's tough. No, it's not tough. It's idiotic. Who does that? How'd that guy get elected? <laughs> so there. Wow. I know how hard it is for you to criticize people, so I'm going to do enough of it for both of us. That's just boneheaded. <laughs> that was a boneheaded thing to do, and he, we wound up tying the match because he won't like play in his own little sandbox. <laughs> Maybe he was just having an off day or something. Nope. I will tell you this. No one would have ever known that he had done that. He called it on himself, which is why wow. I love golf. golf. Mm-hmm. Why I love it. No one would have ever, ever, ever known. I was not paying attention. We had caddies, but I wasn't paying mm -hmm. attention to mm -hmm. where the club went back in. But he called it on himself. And that's what makes that game different. So it is. All right. Well, one of these days, Mary Langston, I'm going <laughs> to see if people will come up with questions for you. And then I'll. Oh, no. <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? No one would listen, so yes, I don't know would. about that. Yeah, they would. They would listen to see if you're a real person. <laughs> I don't know about that. We like hearing your answers. And we ought to do that. We ought to do that episodically. <laughs> we should have people submit questions for Mary Langston, and then I will ask them, and then I will cross-examine you on your answers. Oh, I'll be too nervous. <laughs> Why would you be nervous? Because you you're a prosecutor. <laughs> not to you, I'm not. <laughs> I wouldn't be to you. You said cross-examine, so that made me nervous. Okay. Ask follow-up <laughs> questions. I would ask follow-up questions to make sure that we elicited your full testimony. How's that? Okay. I will think about it. How about that? All right. That's probably as good <laughs> as we're going to get. Um, thank mm -hmm. every one of you for submitting questions. We mm -hmm. will continue to get to them. For as long as Fox is uh, willing to let uh, Mary Langston and I do this. Hope you have mm -hmm. a great week. And uh, we will, uh, particularly if you have midterm questions. I, mean, I was uh, was in New York up until about a couple hours ago. Um, followed it all night. Mm -hmm. um, not sure I have any better answers than anybody else, but I'm happy to take a crack at it. If anybody has any questions about the midterm or anything coming up thereafter. And with that, I hope everybody has an incredible week. Here we are in uh, early trending towards mid-November, going fast. Well, have a great week. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.